This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We are publishing on a Wednesday, and that means it is another AI is here episode. This is a series brought to you by Samba Nova, where we have a mandate to bring in excellent AI experts who are leaders in their various industries and share where AI is making a dent in their industry today and what that means for the future. And today we're talking about the world of financial services, more specifically insurance, and Jiro Gunkel is our guest. He is the COO for Zurich Customer Active Management at Zurich Insurance. He was previously the global head of AI for Zurich Insurance, which is some 50 or $60 billion a year company in US dollars. So in terms of getting an up-close and personal view as to where AI is truly hitting the ground running and making a genuine impact in insurance, Jiro's about as good as it gets, and we're grateful to be able to have him in on this series. In this episode, you'll hear Jiro talk about the accessibility of NLP applications and where in particular, what particular workflows in insurance, NLP is really making a difference in today. When we look at where the efficiencies are being gained, where our throughputs are being able to be improved, what kinds of processes are tangibly leveled up, NLP plays a big part in so many of them. And Jiro gives us a good idea as to why that is as to what use cases he's seeing really make a dent today, the use cases that are helping to drive Zurich forward and help out other insurance companies. And he connects those dots to what the future of insurance actually looks like. So no matter what industry you're in, I think this episode will be helpful. If you want to know where AI is making a business impact, insurance is definitely a pretty good place to start. And Jiro gives us a great up-close and personal perspective. Again, this special AI is here episode is brought to you by Sambanova Systems. They've been kind enough to sponsor this series. Sambanova believes that AI is here, and we've partnered with them to bring these episodes to you. You can learn more about Samba in the outro of this episode. Without further ado, this is Jiro with Zurich Insurance here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Jiro, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me again. Today, we're talking about the impact of AI in your space, leading artificial intelligence efforts at a you know giant tens of billions company. You've gotten to see a lot of where AI and data science are actually starting to make a practical impact in business. And I know for you, it really does center around the fundamental use of kind of text-based AI applications. Talk a little bit about what categories you see as most impactful and transformative in insurance already today. Yes, um, and you're spot on. Text-based use cases, um, as we call it, natural language processing, the automated analysis and the processing of text is probably the most case that is at the moment at Zurich, but also in the larger insurance sector, very, very prominent. And you can actually do a lot with it. So one very typical NLP application that we see um, scaling a lot is around process automation. So you have algorithms that read inbound text documents and process them for humans. And another probably more domain-specific use case is also around contract analytics. So basically reading contracts and finding weak or misleading contract wordings. Yeah, and those could correlate. I mean, the reason this is financially valuable in that latter case is that maybe Weak contract wordings could lead to financial risk, legal risk in some way, shape, or form. I imagine there's, generally speaking, what are the biggest, I guess, ROI categories for contract analysis? Because I can imagine there's there's so many different ways to like ferret out risk or find opportunity within contracts. What are you seeing? I think the fundamental point is really that as an insurer, we we don't have a lot of contact usually with our customers, but if there's a claim, it's very important that both sides understand what's covered and what's not covered. 
So we can use AI to also analyze our contract wordings to identify wordings that could potentially be understood differently by us and our customers. So we use it also as a way to actually enhance our core product, which is essentially uh, contract wordings and contracts. Got it. So I could even see something like that being used before you send a contract to a client. We've also seen many applications on the contract space analyzing the current corpus of contracts that we're sitting on. So, you know, maybe some new legislation changes in financial services somewhere, banking insurance, whatever. And that might actually affect the current contracts we're signed up for. Whether it's with our vendors, with our customers, this might actually affect our business. And so we've got to analyze which of these contracts have to do with this issue and that that might might have some risk sitting inside of them. It sounds like the current use case you were talking about there was maybe even analyzing those contracts before they go to the customer to make sure that there are no vagaries and that we're all on the same page here. I imagine there's also applications looking at the existing big fat corpus of contracts. Absolutely. And they're basically interlinked. You analyze your portfolio, you analyze your wordings, and then at a point of renewal, you use the insights that you get to actually enhance wordings. And this is obviously something you would use more for your bigger corporate customers and much less in a like a retail setting for individuals like you and me, where wordings are very much standardized. Yeah, yeah. Got it. So we've got process automation, contract analytics, any other categories of where the impact is is sort of hitting hard, places that you're seeing these giant insurance companies really leveraging AI today where it's it is making a difference. What should people kind of know when they think, okay, well what what are these applications that are really hitting in insurance right now? What else should people bear in mind that maybe we didn't cover yet I about this text third, stuff? Yeah, I think in terms of text-related use case, a third, probably still more emerging use case, but that's getting increasingly popular, is actually to use AI as how we call it, like um, a digital analyst. Hmm. So um, not so much to automate the process, but if you're a knowledge worker and you have to review some documents that you use an AI to go over it and to actually write the summary of the document for you. Got it. So people who have to look at, again, we're talking about text-based information, right? In insurance, there's so much of it. People who have to analyze many, many of these documents, being able to make summarization very quick, make analysis of various and sundry documents and the connections between them more quick. Is this broadly speaking the use case? Absolutely. Okay. I think just the very important point here is that we use their so-called generative models. That means the models don't just pull, like say, a name or an address out of a document, but they actually write a short and neat summary for you as a user, just like a human analyst would do it. Got it. And, and so in terms of the ones that you've listed, one is obviously contract analysis. You mentioned kind of the this analyst augmentation use case, which we are definitely seeing picking up across financial services broadly, insurance, banking, wealth management. And also, the, was it the process automation one that was number three here in terms of these, these very common NLP use cases? Yes, absolutely. There, the use case is really around find a process where today we get from internal or external sources documents. This could be PowerPoints, emails, scanned documents, and find a way to um, automatically extract information from it and uh, to avoid uh, rekeying activities for human workers. Got it. Okay. Yep. So being able to streamline, I guess we, in in this case, we're talking about streamlining manual or monotonous processes that involve text in human workflows in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's yep. done. Got it. So 
So you're seeing a lot of that currently in insurance, definitely seeing a lot of the contract side of things and also seeing analysts start to become more augmented. Obviously, all of those are text related. Why is that? So, you know, we can imagine a thousand different kinds of AI use cases. Not all of them are NLP related. When you think about why is it this NLP, these NLP or or text oriented use cases that are really making the most current dent in terms of kind of the bottom line and the processes of, of insurance companies, what is behind that? You alluded to it already. I think there are two reasons. And the first one is really, we got so much of it. I mean, no one has ever counted, but um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's estimates like 80% of all data unstructured, uh, potentially is even more. And when people say unstructured data, that usually mean either text data or they mean images. And insurance is rather light on images, but in terms of text, we have a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, just think about all the policies, all the claims, all of these documents. So it's the vast majority of our data are text data. So that's why NLP is for us a real gift. And the second point beyond um, just the sheer volume is that we have seen a lot of better and more advanced technology there in recent years. I don't want to get too much into it, but some of the people have heard about transformer models or Google Bird, yep. which, you know, in very short, these models are pre-trained models and you get a lot of sharp and good insights out of the box. So all the data collection, all the data labeling, there's still something you need to do, but it has become much, much easier to use these models in the business. So the entry barrier to really like tackle complicated text use cases has gone down a lot in the recent years. Got it. So we have so much of the data and it's so critical to the business and also the open source or available tools are astronomically easier to use and more capable and powerful. And so this for you is why in the last couple of years, and, and you've been in insurance for a long time, is what is behind this wave of these text and language related use cases being so prominent now. Correct. Got it. And this takes us a little bit into potentially where things are headed. And so there's plenty of points to explore here and a lot of different aspects of I guess, the future of insurance, if we want to think about it. But if we start from this kind of beginning point of the prominence of these text-oriented applications, process automation, contract analytics, and augmenting analysts, what does this mean for us in the coming half a decade when we think about the future of this field? All right. Questions about the future. I, I'm keen to listen to my predictions in five years and yeah. see <laughs> how much I've been spot on. So a, a few thoughts on, on different dimensions. First of all, you still see all of these reports that say AI and technology will steal off all, all of our jobs. I'm not a big fan of that because ultimately a job is a bundle of tasks, right? And today, human workers have some repetitive tasks like reeking information. And then we have some interactive tasks like engaging with the customer. Yes. And I think what we will just see is that the, the former will go down and the latter will grow. The job profiles will change, but I don't envision a mass unemployment anytime soon from AI technology. Got it. Okay, so you're dispelling that one. So got it. Second one, go the ahead. second one is around, and I come a bit back to this digital analyst. We have now tools that you can essentially give a text and they can give you a written answer. And the question is, when you have such powerful tools, can you maybe 
really move beyond process automation and actually start to uh, about really creating new customer services and new service propositions around this. Because essentially you can create a whole customer partner service and this could be not fully AI powered, but mostly powered by AI with very little human intervention. So mm -hmm. we might also see not so much process efficiency going forward or not only process efficiency, but also some business model innovation in that space. Yeah, we'll, and we'll get a little bit into that once we cover all your future points here, because I'd love to unpack that. So, okay, so we've got, in your opinion, we're not looking at the, you know, the, the end of any job categories. We're looking at jobs as a bundle of tasks. We're looking at the potential for new service models. So that's useful to bear in mind. What else you got? I think the last one is, you know, we can always see the upside but we also need to see risks. And I think one risk is definitely that these frenetically powerful big language models, they can currently be created and produced by a handful of companies. Yeah. And they're getting bigger and more complex every year. So the amount of players in the game is actually shrinking. So while it's open source and it's freely available, it does create a bit of the question of which kind of future dependencies come up in this area when there are only four or five companies who can actually create such powerful tools from scratch. Yeah, and most of us tuned in are kind of aware of who those companies might be. When you think about, I guess, we'll, we'll take these in reverse order and kind of unpack this future. So we've got a great view onto the present and where you're seeing big insurance players start to adopt AI. And now we're really talking about what that means. So let's, let's take that one apart. When it comes to those big players who are increasingly the only game in town when it comes to a certain level of AI capability. There's obviously potentially a regulatory consideration there around sort of, hey, what do we, what do we need to do and think about in terms of you know, monopolies? There's also a concern around who we want to work with. I know there's some enterprises that really are making sure they're diversified between Amazon and Google's tools, et cetera, as opposed to being dependent on kind of a single one of these uh, individual AI giants. When it comes to taking that last idea, that risk into consideration, what does it mean? How, how would a leader maybe think about that in a smart way to make better decisions moving forward? So at that stage, I would not actually call the risk, but more dependency. And okay, dependency. Sure, sure. I would also highlight, I mean, the tech, the big tech companies got a lot of bad press in the past years, but I also want to say in their favor, they have open sourced some of the most remarkable models and have given them to everyone. So with that respect, I think we also need to see the great positive side from these players. I would, I would agree. I do not believe in a purely disparaging view of big tech. So I appreciate that. But I think generally in terms of tech dependency, uh, the, the two key approaches are one you refer to, no matter who the companies are, diversification. And the other critical one I think to always think of is in-house capabilities. You must be careful that in the end, you not only become vendor tool sel um, selector, you need to have in-house capabilities that can maybe not create these big models from scratch, but that have a very deep understanding of them and can modify them greatly. And if you have these internal capabilities and you work with different open source models, then I think this very dependency uh, can be actually quite reasonably managed. Got it. Okay. Yep. So diversify among who you're working with and also get a firm grip on the technology as a whole so that if you're using different tools or you need to develop a new tool you actually can rely on yourself instead of simply having to rely to, you know, always pipe it to it one particular vendor. We'll roll back to your two other questions here in terms of where the future is headed. You know, we've talked about 
the AI is now of the current use cases and, and these future issues, I think, are great things to wrap up on for this episode. Another one was around new services offerings. You know, when I think about analyzing contracts, I, I wonder, okay, maybe there's insights that can be gleaned from some of that analysis to figure out which customers are more likely to upsell or cross-sell to different things. Or maybe there's entirely new products that can be kind of developed out of that. Obviously, neither of us have a crystal ball, but when you think about those new service lines that might emerge because of the power of these text tools, what are some ideas? What are, what are some potential examples we could think about to, to get a sense of where insurance is headed? So I think at the moment we see the AI focus very much internally, right? On yes. processes. And yes, you do custom analytics, but a lot of it touches your world. And I think yes. if we have more of these, if you're a bit optimistic over the next years and, and we come to that stage where we have these open domain models that can answer so many different questions. The question, uh, the point is, can we almost create an risk advisory, insurance consulting, and other support services for every individual and customer that we have, hmm. which maybe cannot answer everything because you still need to have the insurance experience, but that we in a way revolutionize our customer service, moving a bit away from email traffic or call centers, but essentially offering each of our customers a small digital helper that can instantly answer not all, but most of insurance-related questions. In my opinion, that would be a great customer experience. Got it. So being able to take in these text-oriented tools from handling internal workflows, maybe helping us find answers to internal questions to something that could be customer facing. So they'd have questions about products or policies or what have you, and really be able to immediately get them the answers that they're looking for. Exactly. Think about the million little advisors out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, it makes sense, and maybe you have an opinion on this, it makes sense that kind of the capabilities are being built in-house first. I mean, four years ago in the banking space, we would see everybody and their mother launching a chatbot, and then they all kind of rolled those things back very, very, very quickly, mostly because they realized, number one, how vastly challenging it is, particularly half a decade ago, but also because until they built the competence for really leveraging text-oriented tools or even conversational tools internally, they realized it was not very smart to put them externally. If if you and I, Jiro, are working on some internal insurance process and the AI tool that we're using you know, one in every 10 times doesn't really work very well, we're probably not going to quit our job. However, if you have one in every single one of your customers answering a question and getting a completely irrelevant answer, you may start to lose customers. And so the risk feels bigger towards the customer. Maybe there's additional challenges. Is that one of the reasons you see it kind of coming second versus first when it comes to the order of text-based applications? Or what's your perspective there? No, I think that's a good point. I think even with the most advanced technologies and a lot of preparation, there's always some teething problems with the new tech stack and you'll need a few months to really get your head around it and figure out maybe some issues you, you didn't really think about. So I think this order of events, start with your own world and then move from there is definitely the right one. Got it. And lastly here, as we wrap, we will touch a little bit on this idea that you had around sort of human jobs being a bundle of tasks versus 
you know, somebody's entire quote unquote job being automated. That's certainly not the vision of the future that that you see. This really does tie to process automation, which you had highlighted as one of the biggest current areas of AI impact when it comes to these text-based technologies in insurance. Talk a little bit about, we haven't unpacked many of them, but I, I want to paint a slightly clearer picture towards the end of the episode here around the kinds of tasks that might get unbundled from a human being. So I think, you know, you'd mentioned vaguely at kind of a high level, these stare and compare sort of tasks where we need to make sure the information here matches the information here. Are there one or two kind of discrete examples of these kinds of tasks that you really think are quite likely to become much, much, much more automated and taken off the plates of humans so they can do more complicated things? What are, what are a few visions you have there? Yeah, sure. And this may be a bit of a toy example, but um, to make it a bit, to give it a very concrete example, I think, and I hope, if in 2028 um, or so, a customer sends us a letter where they say, hey, just so you know, I changed my address from address A to address B, and this comes in via an email or via, via another channel, that it will then need, most of the time, no human engagement to just update this information um, in the CRM or another system. Got it, got it. Um, but this is so far a task that you will see very often um, still humans doing. So these kind of tasks, I think, again, they're repetitive, they're simple, they follow for a certain structure. I think that that's a good target for the uh, machines to take over. And then as said, while these kind of tasks maybe goes a bit away, I think what we also have seen over the last decade or so is that customers expect much faster response times. Yeah. And then the cusp expectations, the digital world are growing. So if you think about in the 1990s, which I appreciate is a long time ago, people would send a letter to the insurer and then they would get a few weeks later a letter back. So this is history. Yeah. And to actually have short cycle time, quick respond to your customers, have a great customer experience, you also need to have people who have the capacity to get back to the customer quickly. Got it. Yeah. And and so those replies to the customer, is that part of this process automation element of, hey, if it's a simple answer, like I need to reset my password or what's the price on this product? And as you and I both know, many very simple answers, low-hanging fruit, are still being answered by humans. Are you, are you talking about maybe having those responses be much more quickly automated, very fast, almost immediate? Or, or did you have kind of a different vision in mind as you're talking about faster customer response? I think indeed you have a point that like, again, that you confirm an address change that probably then would need a human. But I also think that for more complex queries that our people have time to answer to these complex queries quickly, that for this, we also need to take some other task away from them. So I see it a bit that rekeying activities are moved to the server and then the same people who have done before the rekeying activities gain significantly more time and then they can actually use this time to focus on the more complicated and more urgent customer requests that they're getting in that go well beyond an address change. Yeah. And this is the bundle of tasks idea, right? Is that if we unbundle some of the low-hanging fruit responses when it comes to these parts of a human's, let's say a customer support person's job, they can spend maybe more time putting attention on the things that maybe do require human intelligence or are more relationship oriented, as you mentioned before, if I was hearing you correctly. Exactly. Excellent. Okay, cool. So great. Well, this is what we wanted to tackle in the episode, talking about where AI is hitting hard in this industry, in your case, insurance, 
and then drawing those connected dots to where this is potentially taking us. I hope that for our listeners, no matter what industry they're in, this has helped them paint a little bit of a future picture of maybe where their sector is going. And Jiro, I sincerely appreciate you being able to join us again. It's been a blast as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a nice day. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast in this new AI is Here series. We have a number of episodes coming to you all on Wednesdays. This will be your dedicated day for AI is Here while this series is running. I hope you've enjoyed this update in the insurance space. There's certainly a lot of hypothetical NLP use cases. I think insurance is a very practical and straightforward space where we can see where it's adding real enterprise value. And I appreciate Jiro being able to highlight that and be able to go deeper into what he's seeing up close and personal at Zurich and among some of his peers. And I appreciate you as a listener being able to tune in on this Wednesday series and being able to join us. Again, this AI is Here series is brought to you by Samba Nova. They've given us a wide mandate to find the best of experts in important industry sectors and have them speak with us here about where AI is hitting the ground running in their industry. If you want to learn more about Samba Nova, you can go to sambanova.com slash AI dash is dash here, or go on Google, type in Samba Nova AI is here. You'll find the same page and you can learn more about Samba. They've definitely been on the program on a number of occasions. So some of you longtime listeners will already be familiar with some of their experts like Marshall Choi and others who've been able to join us. But again, you can learn more at their AI is here page. So thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. 